please, no. classroom come on in take a seat beside me my friend hey look here come t.a charlie let's see what he got to say man i don't know today you know he joe's scaring me as the show's intro's going saying we're not going out over the stream but then i check it and we are it's frozen and, on my end and we, and we and we got a tortoise in the studio, so we're chasing him around. That's there. what I the mean, problem is. We've got tortoises. That That's what it is. So anyway, well, morning. Hope you guys are getting ready to be cold, because at least where no, we're no, at. No, 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 it ain't burr. cold down here. Well, to me it is. That's why I live down here, and this ain't supposed to happen. Okay, anyway. But anyway. Uh, lobsters I'm, were the main threat, not tortoises. Everybody run! There's a lobster loose! <laughs> but anyway, you are watching The Road to Concord with Professor Joe Bakanovic. At least, I hope you are, because I haven't checked the rest of the streams, but I'll do that here shortly. Homeroom is on Rumble. You just go to Rumble and you search the channels for The Road to Concord. It's one word. When you find it, you go ahead and you click follow. Might mean you got to set up an account, but it's fast, it's easy, and it's free. I did it. You can do it. For those technologically challenged members of the class, you can also catch us on Facebook, Twitch, X, ugh, and YouTube today even. Uh, you can catch the podcast after the show. It's uploaded to Podbean, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, and eventually to BitChute. Just look for The Road to Concord. You can go to the blog page. That's roadtoconcord.com. That's where you'll find all your show notes, study notes, and handouts for the class. Finally, you can email a professor at joe at the road to concord.com. 
he's not only slow, but he's dead right now because his internet went down again. They fixed it and then they broke at home. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah, he'll eventually get around to emailing you back. Uh, phones are on today, but only for registered numbers. If you wish to call in and are a regular classmate, you may request phone access through an email, and I'll think about it. If you find our classes helpful, please click the thumbs up, like, subscribe, and share it with those you think could benefit from it. Just warn them, Joe is an acquired taste. Yeah. Yeah, what is that? Wasabi coffee, black coffee. Ugh. Uh, this Wasabi show, black cloth here with habanero sauce. Yeah, this, this show is listener-sponsored, meaning we do not solicit business advertising. Because it wouldn't do us any good anyway, but it also makes it so we're not limited in the content we provide for y'all. With that said, we ask for your participation on a value-for-value value basis. If you find our shows of value to you, then you provide an equivalent portion of your labor and treasure through the donut link on the Road to Concord blog page, the show description on Rumble, and the comments on the other streams. Hey, we all know T.A. Charlie isn't all there. Now, just stay seated and give it a chance. You soon realize we not might be the smartest, but we each independently form opinions based on reason and logic. We're free thinkers. Let's see what the road to Concord with Professor Joe Bakanovic has on the lesson plan for today. Real quick, just so that uh, you and Charlie and Natasha know this, um, Rumble's just totally down on my end, so I'm just going to do the class you guys got to monitor everything for me today i can't see any of the show feed sorry guys just had to let the uh let the producers there and the the ai know what's going on here on my end i'm hamstrung again good morning teaching tuesday oh hey tortoise is in the froze up on my end i think we might be asking the internet here to do a little more than it's capable of doing charlie out in the other room i think maybe i don't know um uh, we are we do have our slow internet icon yeah doing the best we can folks anyway the internet went down at my house again yesterday so i didn't get the show prepared as thoroughly as i would have liked let me explain what we're going to do today i am going to teach a lesson on how to do your own research studying without becoming a conspiracy theorist or i'm going to attempt to do so I have a lesson plan that I did once upon a time for scripture study, how to study your Bible. And I was going to convert that over to how to study the Declaration of Independence Constitution. Well, that didn't get done because no internet. I couldn't make a slideshow, couldn't convert things over, just couldn't get those show notes up. I did that this morning here in the studio before the show started. So what we're going to do is we're going to use that um, outline, but we're going to convert it on the fly. It should still work. If you go to your show notes, they'll be up there for you, but we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, this is basically should be a review for most of us. This is something that th this is a subject that most of us should have learned when we were in um, high school at the very latest college for sure. If we went to college. Unfortunately, given the state of our education system these days, if you're under 40 and the younger and younger you get, the more and more likely it is that you were never taught the basics of how to do your own research. Research isn't just reading something. It's more than that. And this is what I want to try and go over today. For, you, for a lot of you, this may be review, reminder of things. Well, we'll see how that all works out. 
Some of you, this might be totally new. I have no idea. We're going to have to depend on you, Charlie. If there's anything I need to see on Rumble, you'll have to throw it up for me over here on one of the other feeds. So it all started with this article. And I want to, uh, we're going to go to this article here. We're going to read through this one. We're going to apply a little logic to it. This is from Not the Bee. And it's, um, let's see, Mr. Retrop, Retrops or whatever. I'm pretty sure that's just a screen name. And it's December 26, 2023. And it's Not the Bee posting up their take on a Forbes article that came out. And it's, um, the title is Experts Publish Research Showing That quote unquote, doing your own research will make you a conspiracy theorist. And in here it says, unironically, a team of U.S. researchers did their own research to show us that doing our own research will make us conspiracy theorists. What I get a kick out of there is the idea that doing your own research makes you a conspiracy theorist is a conspiracy theory. And they fell for it because they did their own research. So that's kind of what the B was getting at here. It says the results of their study show that 19% of their participants were likely to believe, quote, fake news, unquote, and become conspiracy theory nuts after they had performed online research to find the truth. Conspiracy theory nuts. That's loaded language. Um, anyway, they've, th- this, is an, this is a news article, but it's presented as an editorial because there's a lot of, this is like the Babylon, not the B. This is not the Babylon B. This is not the B. This is their news and commentary page and they're doing this with memes and stuff that are a lot like something you'd expect here so if you're not watching the screen there's a homer simpson type commercial or cartoon here going coincidence i think not you know talking about the findings and results of this study and the reason we're going to go through this article is we're going to apply a little logic to it before we get into how to study this is kevin aslett the assistant professor in the school of politics uh, Security and International Affairs at the University of Central Florida, and a leading author of paper pub- published in Nature, he said, in terms of political consequence, increased belief in misinformation has the potential to increase political cynicism and apathy toward politics. It lowers trust in, quote, I'm putting quotes in here, reliable media sources. It increases polarization and motivate political violence. Aslett told Forbes, he's referencing the events of January 6, 2021, in which a mob attacked the United States Capitol building in Washington, D.C., saying these consequences weaken democracy. Now, I love not the B. They, they've got Tony Stark down here going, oh, not democracy, because it's always about our democracy. Until such time as something like you doing your own research comes up, in which case, all of a sudden, now it's not about democracy. Because if you're doing your own research, you might not listen to these credible references or sources, meaning left-wing media, and you might actually believe something other than what the left-wing media wants you to believe, in which case that's bad for their democracy. Hopefully you all understand that we are talking about a conspiracy theory here, out in the open. The conspiracy theory is that they're using the supposed credible sources to program you. But... You know, you're only going to find that out if you do your own research. And they don't want you doing your own research because then you might believe in things like MKUltra and Mockingbird. Things that they've even admitted to in their credible references. Anyhow, this individual 
who did this study, he continues, he says, misinformed beliefs can also threaten public health, such as the case of vaccine misinformation, which has all turned out to be absolutely true. And he's still saying it's misinformation. So if he's still touting a lie today, when we now know that those warnings were true because of studies that have shown up in quote unquote reliable sources, then what's that tell us about the guy doing the, the, this is where we start doing our logic folks. This man says, the guy who did the study that says, if you do your own research, you're going to become a conspiracy theorist. That guy is saying that you doing your own research is going to lead to public health problems like you believe the vaccine misinformation. The problem is we just saw, saw yesterday that credible sources have, you know, quote unquote, in other words, left-wing media has told us that people who got jabbed are getting cancer at hundred and something, 30,000 percent times more. Yes, 120 something, almost 127 percent, 127,000 percent higher rates. That's that's causal, folks. That right there is causal. That's a causal connection. I don't even need to do a study. That's a causal connection. So he's he's telling you that you're not supposed to believe that the vaccines had anything to do with that. And if you do, you've fallen for misinformation. That's a clear indication that this man's a propagandist doing this study telling you not to do your own research. I have already detected that there's an agenda going on here, one that I'm particularly not going to want to listen to, but we got to keep reading this. So he says, such as in the case of vaccine information, or it could be used by powerful interest groups to manipulate public sentiment against climate action measures, such as the development of renewable energy projects. Renewable energy projects don't work. Have you not seen the stories? The pictures of the solar farms covered in snow, they're not working. The pictures of the windmills, you know, the the wind generators that are all frozen up and are not working. So just like we told them, when a storm comes along and all your renewable energy doesn't work anymore. So everybody goes without electricity and they freeze. So I'm supposed to believe that what this is, folks, what this study is, is predictive programming. He is doing with this study the very thing he claims that you shouldn't do your own research. He's trying to prevent you from doing that. This is is out in the open, public manipulation. He's guilty of the very thing he says he's worried about. He's doing it. How do we know? Let's keep reading. The information we need is right here in the B. It says, this is part of how you do research, folks. We're applying logic to our problem. This is our problem. This this article is what we're going to use as a bit of a model. But we're also going to use the Constitution and the Declaration, things like that. This is those who doubted the efficacy of the COVID vaccine or disagree with climate hysteria are, quote unquote, misinformed, according to the researcher. This is the Babylon Bee now, uh, not the Bee, rather, not the Bee, not the Bee, the news source. This is the author of the article now saying that. So, so Aslet blames people trying to find the truth instead of just trusting the media. See? Just trust the media, just like trust the holy science, trust the holy media. That's what this whole study is about. That's that's what this is about. The expert wants you to trust the media. That's it. That's all they want you to do. Let me pop back over here so you can catch up to where I'm at. He says, uh, don't do your own research. He says, the example given is from the headlines, U.S. faces engineering famine as COVID lockdowns and vax mandates could lead to widespread hunger and unrest this winter, which the study rated as false. So 
there was a headline that said the U.S. is going to face an engineered and an, an intentional famine as a result of the COVID lockdowns. So we're still reading not the bees article. It says the article in question, this is the one that the study was using. It was from 2021 when the supply chain had left grocery shelves all but empty and people were literally going hungry. So not the bees says, I mean, the people were calling the president bare shelves Biden because his administration kept exacerbating the shortages. However, the researchers noted that when respondents searched engineered famine, they were likely to get results from quote unquote unreliable news sources. Now, to be fair, there were certainly some crazy folks out there trying to make a bucket off you know, a bunch of money off the lockdowns and the government overreach. This is true. And this is, and he says, you know, the author says, I had a family member try to convince me to give them $15,000 so my family and I could move into an underground bunker in South Dakota with them where we could share an eight by 10 space until Biden left office in an air raid out, you know, or the air ran out or whatever. So he's, he's being facetious here, the author is. So while there's some merit in the idea that search terms leading someone down a bad rabbit trail, as you might have guessed already, their search has some issues. This is where I want you to start paying attention. What the people who wrote this article did is what the people who did the study don't want you to do. The author of this article did his own research into the study. And what did he find? The first issue they found is that the research, the researcher, the guy doing the study, he required the participants to download a logging plug, plug-in that would record their internet and computer activity, which pre-selects for a certain kind of participant. That, as soon as you pre-select for a certain kind of participant, you've already skewed your study. So he's looking for people who are going to have a tendency to do exactly what he wants them to do. So someone would have to be gullible enough to download a logging program on their device. And that's, that same someone would is probably also gullible enough to find themselves trapped in an underground bunker with no air. Okay. There's a lot of facetiousness going on in this article. But what the article is actually telling you is you're going to have to be stupid enough to do exactly what the people doing this quote-unquote scientific research want you to do so that they can get the results they want. Folks, this is a case of following the money. This study, the one that, you know, all the way up here at the top, the one that started this, if you do your own research, you're going to be a conspiracy theorist. This is a fallacy. They already had their conclusion. Now they're going to do a study to give themselves the results they wanted. So we find out that there's a problem with that. Then the second issue is that the research relied on NewsGuard to determine what was true or false. Well, if you're not familiar with NewsGuard, it's a Department of Defense-funded news rating service. In other words, it belongs to the deep state. NewsGuard's far-left world exists. In that world, NewsGuard says that the Hunter Biden laptop, it still says that's Russian hope. And that was in December of last year. They still said it's a Russian hoax. Not the B gets a score of 62.5 out of 100 for being truthful. Folks, not the B is one of the most trusted sources on the internet that I've found. So this is telling us right now that the people who did the research saying that if you do your own research, you're going to be a conspiracy theorist. The people doing that are using 
biased, left-wing biased sources as their baseline for determining what is true and false. As somebody who knows how to do research like this, this, this is right up my alley as a sociologist. This is a flawed study. How did we even find out they did this? Because the people writing this article did exactly what the article doesn't want you to do, what the study doesn't want you to do. They did their own research. I bet you they did it properly too. And we'll be discussing that here momentarily. So not the bees founder, Dan Dillon, he responds to this this way. We are aware that NewsGuard has given our site a laughably low trust score. It's not good for our business, but we take this rating as a badge of honor and, indic- and an indication that we're don't, we don't align with the mainstream narrative that they support nor comply with the censorship complex censorship complex that they actively reinforce. So in other words, not the B says good, you know, like this gif here is going and just brushes off their shoulders. They come down here and says all this, all of this is to say that the, the research may have proved their own point in doing their own research. They have fallen prey to a left wing conspiracy theorist or theory. And they have, it's okay. So let's, let's dump this. I, I drug you through that, and I know it's probably boring, and a lot of people you know, bail. I don't want to listen to this. You have to listen to this. This is the point. If you read the article on Forbes, you would think you shouldn't be doing your own research. You go over to Not the Bee, where the author does his own research, and he finds out that I shouldn't trust the study. Now that makes him a conspiracy theorist, according to the study. This, folks, is MK Ultra and Mockingbird at work live in the real world okay that's what started all of this that's why i thought we might need to do this class so i told you that um i wanted to use a set of notes to convert it over so that i could share it with you in uh in a different format i think you can see that I, i prefer to use this screen here for this case this outline is just on how to study your scriptures. Now, I know this is not Wednesday, so just bear with me. We're not going to go per se reading it, and we're not going to go into an, you know, I'm not going to use the Bible as your illustration, but I, this is all I have available to me for the moment. So we will get back to this. But what I figured we would do, what I, th- what I thought would be more applicable to today is we're going to study or use our illustration Instead of that, you know, that the research paper we just looked at, not the B did a good job of handling that. You can go look at that if you want. It's in your it's in your show notes. Just go to the road to concord.com and look it up. Instead, let's go to something that most of us here, you know, we're we're we kind of like the founding fathers and the founding of this country. And we're going to talk about specifically our founding documents, the Declaration of Independence, but also. We're going to look at the Articles of Confederation, and we're going to look at the United States Constitution. We'll look at all of those, okay? Let's start with this. This is the National Archives. I've linked this to you for you in the show notes. You can go over the entire Declaration of Independence. You see pictures of the real thing. You can come down here and get articles on it, and you can get the actual text of the Declaration. Stone engravings, blah, 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 blah. This is a very good page for the, con- the, the the Declaration of Independence. And then you'll see that I've put in here Articles of Confederation. 
So why do I need to do this, Joe? What's, what's the importance here with all of this? Well, here we go. This is going to be about how to do your own research. Well, the first thing you need, what, what's the purpose? Okay. The purpose here is just for our, the illustration at hand today, our, what we're going to look at today, let's better understand the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution and how they work. Well, what's the research question? I don't know. You, you figure your own out. What assumptions go with it? Well, we'll get to some of those. This is like if I'm doing a research project, you know, sampling methods, data collection methods, research methods, quality criteria, data ana- analysis, et cetera, et cetera. We'll get to all of that. But this is the point. First thing you're going to have to do is you've got to go to the original source. So what we're going to be studying, we're going to do our own research on the Declaration of Independence and our own research on the United States Constitution. Well, why would I want to look at the Articles of Confederation then? Well, that's the founding document of this country. The Declaration of Independence is the founding document. This is the Constitution under which we're supposed to live today. But this is the first one they wrote. Articles of Confederation. Why did it fail? Well, what you have to do is look at the Declaration. This is the target that the founders were shooting at. This is the first attempt to write a government that would hit that target or live according to that target. It failed. They had to write this second one. Failures are a very good teaching device. Go back and find the differences between the Articles of Confederation and the United States Constitution. What did they change and why? So this is part of collecting the information that we're going to need. Then you're going to need to collect background data. Well, before we get to that, we're right here. We're, you know, purpose. I want to understand the founding documents better. So my research question, what were the founders actually trying to do? Assumptions. I'm going to assume that in this modern day and age, my professors, my teachers, and my history books have lied to me. Okay, sampling methods, we don't have to worry about that. We're not conducting a a study per se. Data collection methods. Okay, that's kind of like where we're at right now. I'm collecting the data that I'm going to be using to help me um, do my studies, right? What what am I going to work on? Well, we've already looked at the Declaration, the Articles of Confederation, U.S. Constitution. Always, whenever you're going to study something for yourself, always take yourself to the primary source, as close to the primary source as you can possibly get. So I'm going to walk you through the basics Then I'm going to go back and we're going to use that guide that I used for scripture study. And we'll just, wherever we see Bible, we'll, we'll insert constitution or declaration, you know, founding documents. And we'll walk through it because that guide is very detailed. That that's where the meat and potatoes of today's class is going to be. So I'm going to walk you through an overview and then we're going to go look at it in more detail. So I, I'm always, always, when you're researching something, look for the primary documents as, as many of them as you can get original source. Don't trust a history book if the original document is available to you. I see Mr. Holt is with us today. When he and I first met, we had a difference of opinion over whether or not Benjamin Franklin was a deist. Mr. Holt was relying on his teachers and his history books. I asked him, just go read Franklin, please. He did. Changed his opinion. Not because of me. I did not change Mr. Holt's opinion. Benjamin Franklin did, and and that in the dictionary. Well, this is why we always want to go straight to the horse 
is whenever possible, go to the horse. Don't go to what, you know, don't play the telephone game. Don't rely on the fifth person in the telephone game. You know, where we all whisper in each other's ear. I, I tell you a secret. You tell the guy next to you and he tells the girl, girl next to him and she tells the girl next to her and the guy and the girl and the guy and it all gets all the way around and that it doesn't say anything close to what I started with. Don't rely on them. Okay. If the primary source is available, go to it. Now, in the case of something like the founding documents, I also need to go look and see what were they working from? Okay. That's, that's, I've got my primary sources. This is part of the primary source. When you're researching something, especially something that's in the past, you've got to get yourself in the context of what it is you're studying. See, because reading something and studying it are not the same things. So I want to get myself in the context of the founding documents. What's the context? Oh, it's more than what people think. Well, the context is the founders wanted to, there was taxation without representation. No, no, no. That was the last straw. The context is a combination of things. It's lawlessness by the King of England. Yes, it was lawlessness. The, the, the American Revolution was, and it, if you read the Declaration of Independence, it says so. We appeal to the judge, the supreme judge of the universe. This was an appeal to God. Remember, one of our first battle flags was appeal to God. Excuse me, white flag, green tree with black writing, appeal to God, an appeal to God. So what the founders were doing was taking to the highest court in the universe to plead their case because the king wouldn't listen. The king was acting lawlessly. He was a violation of his own charters. So that's part of the context of what's going on in the American Revolution. But they're also coming out of the Reformation and the Great Awakening. So there is a strong Protestant um, religious context to the background of what they're doing. They're trying to find biblical justification for their actions against the king. And that's what this is about. This is the 1599 Geneva Bible. This is the Bible most of the founding fathers are using. Okay. At the time of the founding of this country, most of them are using this Bible. This is the Bible that ticked off King James and caused the King James Bible to be written because notes in this Bible talked against divine right kings in this, the supreme authority of a king saying that the supreme authority is God, the creator. So our founder founders started using this book. And if you go in, you do your research into the founding of this nation, about a third positive or negative pro con whatever about a third of the references to authoritative sources in our founders writings comes from the bible the next highest rating that you're going to find in their writings is going to come from the first and second treaties on government by john law and when you look this is all putting yourself in the context and these are the available references to help you get the background and get a feel for the culture and times of what's going on in the colonies at the time our founding documents are written you're going to find that just reading the constitution is not going to help you as much if you don't if you have these things that i'm showing you now in the background if you have these information read and in your mind and, and you've understood it the declaration and the constitution will take on an entirely different meaning in your mind because you'll be closer to the original context and understanding of the times, the zeitgeist, the feeling of the time in which those documents were written. You've got to do this. The Constitution was written for you, but it was not written to you. It was written to the colonists at the time when it was ratified. 
Well, the founders relied on this man. In both of these books, the first and second treatise on government, John Locke says he drew his ideas from the book of Romans. So if one third of our founders' sightings come from the Bible and then another 15 or 20 percent came from John Locke, that's actually close to 50 percent of everything that they cited is derived from the scriptures. Not my opinion. John Locke's and the founding fathers, actual original documents. The next most important thing that we're going to have to study, and the Constitution cannot be understood outside of this book. This is the complete Federalist and Anti-Federalist Papers. This is John Jay, James Madison, Alexander Hamilton. Those are going to be the Federalists. The Anti-Federalists are going to be Patrick Henry and I think it's Gouverneur Morris. And oh my God, those two men by themselves almost held up the entire Constitution. And everything that they warned about that the Federalists said, you don't have to worry about that because this is what the Constitution means. Everything the Anti-Federalists warned about has come to pass. Okay, because nobody will go back to the Federalist Papers and see what John Jay, James Madison and Alexander Hamilton said, how we're supposed to understand the Constitution. So when the court, when the Supreme Court or state court or whatever, start getting fast and loose with the Constitution saying, well, we don't know what the founders meant. All you got to go do is read this book and you'll know exactly what they meant by the Constitution. They told us. But then we also have this. When they did the, the Federal Convention of 1787 to write the Constitution, the second constitutional convention, the first was the Articles of Confederation. When they did that, they agreed to not take notes. Madison violated their agreement, thankfully. He took faithful notes on every day of the convention. That's what this book is. In this book, we can hear and find out what everybody is saying in there. Had it not been for this book, we would not know that it was Benjamin Franklin that begged them to start having prayer every morning before they started their daily work. And we would not know that it was Benjamin Franklin that stood up and said, unless we appeal to God, we're not going to succeed in this endeavor. And he meant the God of the Bible. And Madison wrote that speech down. This is where that speech comes from, lest a sparrow fall. You know, God knows. He says, so without appealing to him, how can a nation rise without his, his approval or help? You know, general paraphrase, that's where, that's where we find that. It's the only source in history is Madison taking notes. This is a very informative book because you can hear through Madison's pen what the delegates were debating, what their thinking was, where they were at, what they intended to do with each clause in the Constitution. Then for the Bill of Rights, this does the same thing. This is the complete Bill of Rights, the Drafts and Debates, Sources and Origins. This is actually a book of the congressional record. Everything I'm showing you is sitting on my shelves at home. Some of this is sitting right behind me on the right here. But I have copies of all of this. Not This is not all cheap. Some of these books are expensive. I get it. I understand. But this is what, before I started studying the Constitution in earnest, I worked my way through all of this so that I could get into the spirit of the time. Now you may not have the ability, you may not have the money to do these this type of stuff. You may not have the time to put in it. That's not the point. The point is you do the best to do this with whatever you're studying at that time, with whatever time and money you have available. Do the best to get your get your original documents and get yourself into the spirit of the times, the context of the times in which the people were writing or working or doing whatever it is they're doing. This is important to us, folks. And then finally, you have this. 
This is a familiar exposition of the Constitution of the United States. These are notes by Joseph Story, Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, 1811 to 1845. He was alive when the Founding Fathers still breathed. He was younger when this, all of this was going on. He was a child. This is written after he's a grown man and he's on the Supreme Court. But he gives us commentary on what the Constitution is supposed to be, how it's supposed to be understood, what the Founding Fathers meant. He is considered to be one of the supreme sources on this information. So between the Federalist and Anti-Federalist papers, Madison's notes, the notes in the congressional record, and this man, that book right here, which is, this is a condensed version, there's actually three volumes of it. Between all of that, there is not a judge in the United States that can claim they don't know what the founding fathers meant by the Constitution. They cannot say that because we were told clearly, explicitly, and in great detail. So we gather the original documentation that we're studying, as much of it as we can get. We gather the background information that's going to give us the context in which the, the thing we're studying is going to put us in the time, in the spirit of the time, and help us to understand what's going on and why and, and the thinking of the people and the motivation. Everything they do is written in English, but not modern English. So I also study with this. This is the American Dictionary of the English Language, Noah Webster, 1828. This is going to be the, the language of our founding fathers. So like when I go back and I study uh, the Second Amendment, the right to keep and bear arms, and I open this book up, arms is defined as those tools of the common soldier, both offensive and defensive. So when we go to the Supreme Court and they say, hey, look, state of Washington is going to call ammunition a privilege that's not protected by the Second Amendment. A justice that is actually doing their job to uphold the Constitution of the United States as it was originally intended to be upheld would open up the Second Amendment, read across the right of the people. They would look up people in this book right here, and it would say the body politic, meaning all the people, not the government. Because how do we know? Well, in the Constitution and the Declaration, it says we the people for the body politic, not we the government, not we the people who have been replaced by the, it says we the people. And in the Constitution, it tells us specifically government, federal government, state government, then back to the people, capitalizes it with P. So Second Amendment, the people, I look it up. Oh, the body politic, all, all citizens have the right to keep and bear arms. So I look up keep, it means to have possession of. Bear means to hold it and show it to the world around me. Arms, it means anything that a common soldier might have. So that justice then goes and looks at the state of Washington and says, eh, unconstitutional. Ammunition is arms, therefore protected by the Second Amendment. Why is that so hard? Oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. It's because that's not what they want the ruling to be. Which means, by definition, look up definition of a justice, and it means that that judge is no longer a judge. Impeach him, him or her. Kick them off the bench, take them away from the practice of law forever and ever, amen, for that one infraction. Because that one is so elementary, so fundamentally simple, that if you can't get that right, you have no business approaching the court of law, which should be held just below the point of reverence in this country. I don't mean to make it religious. No, we're not going to go Mormon on ourselves here. But it is to be respected to such a degree that it is a step below reverence to the deity. 
So if you're going to have something that's that simple wrong in your rulings, you have no business approaching the bench of the court. You know, you, you shouldn't any, be anywhere near it. All right. So I've got my documentation that's going to help me with the language. Got those books I showed you that are going to help me with what the founding fathers were reading. That's the bulk of it. They still studied the Greeks, uh, philosophers, and they studied Montesquieu and Rousseau and a few others. But I showed you the bulk of it. And I showed you the work that the founding fathers wrote for me to posterity to explain to me what it was they were trying to do. I also have tons of their letters available to me online. I know it's a daunting task. People could study this the rest of their life. So if you're studying the Constitution and the Declaration, do the best you can. But do your own reference, your own research, so that like when somebody tells you the founding fathers have said that the second amendment was for the military, you know, it's only the national guard. That is not what the founding fathers said. You go to, um, that book right there. This is the complete bill of rights. And you will find that Trent's coax says, no, 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 no. The second amendment protects all the terrible weapons of the common soldier. It, muskets, uh, Plunkett guns, if they want, you know, automatic firing gun. Yeah, they actually had machine guns back then. They had an automatic, fully automatic, 40 millimeter shotgun grenade launcher type weapon back there. Okay, it was devastating. They didn't have a lot of them, but they existed in private hands. They had private citizens owned battleships, private citizens owned cannons. They owned back then in private citizenry owned the biggest, baddest weapons of modern warfare at the time. And the founding fathers said that those are protected. Okay. Very simple. We got froze up target. Uh, the studio froze on me, Charlie. Yeah. We're having internet issues again. <laughs> Bear with Imagine us. Folks. We're, we're hoping things will catch up here. So the founding fathers tell us in this document, okay. Separation of church and state. Hopefully you folks can hear us and see us. We're going to continue on. It's the best we can do. I go to First Amendment and I look at the debates in the First Amendment. And I find out, oh my gosh, one of the men who was responsible for the final wording of the docu of the First Amendment says that it was not there to protect all religions. It was there to protect the different denominations of Christianity. And it was not meant to kick religion out of government. It was meant to keep the government from meddling in religion. That's entirely opposite of the way we read the First Amendment today. Entirely backwards. And yet, this book right here, this, this, this document right here, you know, the complete Bill of Rights, tells us clearly what they meant. It shows, well, this gentleman suggested this, and this gentleman suggested that, and this gentleman suggested this, and it was decided that the wording should be this. And it is very clear what they were doing. Why can't the justices pick that up and read it? If you go to the one on the Third Amendment, it is very clear that the Third Amendment is not about keeping soldiers in your house. It's about keeping the government from spying on you. Uh, I don't think the government places any limits on itself from spying on us now. They'll say, well, you're in a public domain. We've got a right to watch you with a camera. No, you don't. No, you don't. Fourth Amendment says you need a warrant to do that. Well, no, Joe, the Fourth Amendment says you have a right to be uh, secure in your persons, in your papers, in your own home. No, it doesn't say in your own home. It says secure in my person, 
my body and my papers, my effects. And it doesn't say in my own home. It says I have a right to be secure in my person and effects, no matter where I'm at. Which technically means that when the police stop you on the street to frisk you, they're violating the fourth and third and fifth amendment. Who cares anymore, right? All you have to do to find out what the founding fathers originally meant was read this. All you got to do is read it. Why don't we do that? Because the minute the judges can bind themselves to this, they can't do what they want to do. They can't find their own rulings. So that makes you a conspiracy theorist because you did your own homework. And all you had to do is acquire a few books that are the founding fathers' own words. And, and if, you, if you doubt me, you go to that man's book. And Mr. Story, Justice Chief Justice, well, not Chief Justice, but Supreme Court Justice Joseph Story will tell you exactly what the founding fathers meant by the first and third and second amendment. He'll explain it to you. Well, what the heck would he know? He's only one of the very first Supreme Court justices. He's sitting there talking to John Jay. He can talk to, well, Alexander Hamilton may have been dead at this time, but he lived in the time of Alexander Hamilton and James Madison and Thomas Jefferson and John Adams. He was alive when these men were still breathing. He was an adult when these men were still breathing. He knew them. He spoke to them. This was one of the most important things. If I read the zeitgeist of the times, this was one of the most important things of the times going on. Okay, was the, the, the governing of our country and the writing of how the documents and how we're going to govern our country. So this man is important. Comment on the board from John Quest. How do we create well-regulated militias again to police and police and protect our constitution? Can it even be achieved? Okay, that's another case. Well-regulated, right? I go to the book here. American Dictionary of the English Language. And guess what I find out, Mr. Quest? Today, we think regulated means that, you know, you have a government bureaucracy over you telling you what you can and cannot do. But you will also find that one of the definitions of regular, not regulated, regular is a standing army, a soldier in the standing army. So a well-regulated militia means a militia that's organized and equipped like a soldier in a standing army. That's what that means. It doesn't it mean that it's a militia that's well-governed by the government. It means it's a militia that's well-regulated. In other words, like the National Guard is now. Technically, the National Guard is a subset of the militia. But because it answers to the government rather than the local control, it's not militia. How do we get the militia back together again? That requires local authority. You don't get to just, we can't form our own militia. You and I can't get together and say, okay, we're going to form a militia. We cannot do that. You need a local authority. There should be a county seat that has every county authority militia, and they would answer to the state. So you'd have a state militia. We don't do that anymore. We've given out, just like we've ceded the control of our, our care of our, of our parents over to the state. When they get old, give them to the state to take care of. That's supposed to be our job. When we see the poor and, and the needy on the streets, we'll let the welfare program take care of them. That, that's supposed to be our job or the church's job. When we see people who are sick, we'll let welfare take care of them. You know, Medicare and Medicaid, that's supposed to be our job. Well, rather than go to militia and train once a month, which all able-bodied men should be doing, we gave that to the National Guard. We washed our hands of our own responsibility. 
Now we're paying the price for this. So how do you put the militia back together? You got to get county government to call for a militia and then organize it because it's not going to be all those who want to. It is supposed to be every able-bodied male. Now, the founding fathers would also tell you if for rights of conscience, you don't want to bear arms, well, then you're excused from being on the front lines, but that doesn't mean that you can't be a stretcher bearer. That doesn't mean you can't be a medic or do some sort of support in a non-combat uh, function. It doesn't excuse you from service to the country. So, and how do we find that out? You have to do your own research. If you go looking to your modern day history books, you're not going to find this. You've got to go to the records from the time. Luckily for us, the founding fathers were very concerned with this. So they told each other, collect everything. Keep it for posterity, for future generations, so that they would know what it is we're trying to do. So that when, not if, when it goes sideways, they can look back, see what we were trying to do, how we tried to do it, and correct our mistakes through the use of hindsight. Madison and Jefferson were explicit in that explanation. Madison and Jefferson both explicitly said that when you're going to go interpret the Constitution, you do so in the intent of the original times. When you interpret a law, you do so with the intent of the original lawmakers. That's law. That is part of the, the Federalist Papers are an, uh, part and parcel of the Constitution. Because they said this is how the Constitution is to be understood and the people voted on it based on the Federalist Papers explanation. So how do you know all this? By doing your own research. If you don't do your own research into this, you'll never figure these things out. Because what you're going to have is the approved media telling you lies. You're going to have state teachers telling you lies. You're going to have history books telling you lies. And I do mean lies. Why is it a lie? Because the truth is knowable. And if the truth is knowable and you're in a position of teacher, media, or history book, purport to be a history book, and you tell a falsehood when the truth is available without saying, okay, well, this is an editorial. This is my opinion. When you put it forth as truth, that's a lie. Now, it may be an accidental lie, but it is still a lie. And we're testing students in school based on lies. And in the whole process, we're undermining the support, the understanding of what our founding fathers were doing, the times, the culture. Like we're taught all of the colonists were slave owners and they were all racists. No, they weren't. It was two states that forced that on us. Well, the three-fifths clause showed that they were all racist. No, that's not what it did. The three-fifths clause guaranteed we would fight the Civil War. Not over slavery, but over a state's ability right or authority to enslave people. It wasn't, I know that slavery is the thing that everybody gets hung up on. That's not the foundation of what was going on. And the root of the Civil War, and the reason we know it wasn't over slavery per se, is if you go back to the convention notes, you're going to find out, yes, slavery was the flavor of ice cream they were arguing over. But essentially what it came down to is, does the state have a right to to support an institution where one man owns another. That's what the argument was about. The issue was slavery, but it could have been anything else. It could have been welfare. 
And for that matter, welfare is addressed by the founding fathers. And James Madison and Jefferson both said they didn't find anything in the Constitution that gives the federal government the right to take out of the pocket of one and put into the pocket of another. In other words, there is no federal authority to institute welfare. Now, a state can do it up to a point because the Bill of Rights does say that there are certain limits that any state who wants to be part of the union must conform to. How do we find all of this information out? You must go back to the original documents. You must go back to the conversations the founding fathers had about the things they wrote and when they ratified them and what they were voting on and how they understood it. You've got to go back to this stuff. There's going to be no substitute. You don't, and like I said, in the second hour, we're going to go through that outline. I'm going to show you in a little bit more detail, a little bit more clarity. But you can't, you don't trust me. Please don't. It, 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 the only reason I'm going to tell you to trust these books, this is original source. There is no higher authority than this. It, it, you can't get, what does John Locke mean? That's John Locke telling you what John Locke means. So when the founding fathers cite John Locke, what the heck, did they cite it right? Go ask John Locke, he'll tell you. And the founding fathers say, this is what we think the Constitution means. This is how we intend it. Go ask the Federalists and Anti-Federalists. They'll tell you they covered it dang near everything. There are 85 anti uh, 85 Federalist essays, and there are uh, a, a book of anti Federalist essays, speeches. They covered almost everything. And not in the individuals. They're not talking about flavors of ice cream, but they covered ice cream on all. I mean, every asset of ice cream you can imagine, and sorbet and sherbet and everything else that, you know, gelato or whatever. They covered all of that mess. The notes on the de the debates on the Constitution, all Madison did was act as a secretary and dictate. He even tells you, so-and-so says this, so-and-so of this state says this, so-and-so said this, this man answered him that. It, it, it's very good. He was he could have been a dictationist. He was a great secretary. He did a good job here. This here, the Bill of Rights, that book, that is literally the notes taken by the secretary in the House when they're debating this stuff. That's in the congressional records. That's all this is. This is a copy of the actual, real congressional records. And in that book, that's a, that's a Supreme Court justice coming along and synthesizing all of it and telling you what it means and how it is to be lived. Why is this so hard for our justices to read this stuff and take these men's word for what it was they were trying to do? The answer is simple. They don't want to be confined by what the men said the Constitution means. Which, when we get to the second hour of today's show and we're using the outline on how to study scripture, that's exactly, I just realized, this is mutually supporting. The reason most people don't want to study their scriptures is they're going to find out the scriptures say something different from what they want them to say. The reason that our politicians today will not study these documents I'm showing you is because they're going to find out that the founding fathers say the Constitution means something different from what they want it to say. So in one case, you're going to go against the scripture, which makes you rebellious, a sinner. In the other case, you go against the clear meaning of the Constitution, which makes you a seditionist or a subversive. Which, by the way, when you read the Declaration of Independence and the U.S. Constitution and the notes, and you read all these documents I've just shown you, what happened on January 6th is not sedition. Not my opinion. 
founding fathers. In order to have been sedition, actual force of arms had to be used. There were no weapons at January 6th. Clubs and sticks or whatever, maybe, but there were no force of arms. Now, back in the 1970s, when Obama's buddy Bill Ayers, his people bombed the Capitol building, that was an act of sedition. Also, in an act of sedition has to be the expressed overture that you are trying to overthrow the United States of America. So when Antifa and BLM were tearing up cities and burning down and bombing and, and destroying federal buildings, saying that they wanted to destroy and overthrow the United States of America, that was sedition. Has anybody in those movements been prosecuted for that? No. Did anybody at January 6th say they wanted to overthrow the United States? No. They wanted the election looked into because they thought it was hinky. Nobody wanted to do that. By definition, January 6th is not an insurrection. So go to the first article we started the show with today. If you do your own research into the Constitution and you find out that January 6th was not a constitutional definition or a, or a 14th Amendment, you know, constitutionally, it did... It doesn't fit the definition of an insurrection, but the left-wing funded and protected and media-protected BLM Antifa movement does meet the definition. If you come to that own conclusion after your own research, you're a conspiracy theorist, according to that study that says you're not supposed to do your own research. Are you starting to see why they don't want you to do your own research? Because you're going to get harder to control. Propaganda, we've covered that on this show. Propaganda only works if you are the sole source of information. You have to control the source of information. And part of that is telling people what to think, how to think. So if they lose the ability to tell you what to think and how to think and keep you in control, they lose control. And that's what this is all about. So this article, this study was put out to get people thinking, oh my God, I can't study for myself because I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist. And notice how they word it, conspiracy theorist nut. Okay, folks, that's MK Ultra and Mockingbird at work to literally put the public in its place. Thank you, Walter Lippmann. And they're doing it through the media. So if I look at that article as part of an intentional plan to manipulate the populace, I'm a conspiracy theory kook. Well, how did I get there? Literally from doing my own homework. And when we come back from the break, which we're going to go to here in just a few minutes, when we come back from the break, I will use the article that I had done for my Sabbath study class as a general guide. And we'll just do the best we can to muddle through it. I, I, I'm not trying to turn this into Worship Wednesday, but it's what I had available to me. And I, I did not have the assets necessary to, to do this up last night and have it available today. I could have done it, but I had no way to transfer it over and move it. Most of the work I use is on my computer now, which needs the internet because a lot of what I do is on the cloud. This is one of the vulnerabilities of trusting these electronic devices too much. They cripple us. So, and I think that's by intent as well because if everything you do is up in the cloud, all I have to do is control your internet access and I can literally make you unproductive with the flip of a switch, which is what China does to its people, which is why China's upset with Elon Musk's Starlink. Anyhow, I digress. 
We're going to go to the break. We'll see you in six minutes. When we come back, we'll go through that paper I wrote, and we'll look at more detailed ways of doing research in specifics, some specific guidelines to help you with it. See you in six.
Okay. Welcome back. Hopefully you're back in your seats. All right. This is the, the first hour, just general overview. I wanted to go through the article that started my idea for this class. I wanted to go through some things and set the stage for the, you know, we're going to be looking at the constitution and declaration from this point forward, founding documents. I did not have a chance to do up a slideshow or anything like that, convert a document I'm going to be working from here that I'd already written from its original source to to purpose for today. So we're just going to use it as it exists right now. And in this document was um, it's a Word doc. You can download it. It's on your homework. If for whatever reason you want this, it's on your homework. There's three documents there I put up there that you can download and it's all related. They're all related, but it's scripturally oriented. So this is the, the document I'm talking about. I did a uh, did this for my Sabbath study class. This is how to study the scriptures. Now, I know if you're not looking on a computer, this might be too small to read. Um, let's see. That might make it a little easier. It says, before you start, and, and I'm going to try and do this kind of like a dualistic way. I'm, and like I said, I'm not trying to talk about the Bible, but this is what I have available today. So last time I'm going to mention that. Remember that the... Sound the original documents, the founding documents that we're working with here, they were written for us, but they weren't written to us. We're the benefactor, but we're not the original audience. So we have to learn to read and understand the founding documents as though we were alive at the time that they were written and being voted on and ratified, which means you got to learn about the times. You got to learn about the language, the culture, et cetera, et cetera. How do, how do they see and understand the world? What's their reason? Why are they doing, why are they writing the founding documents the way they're writing? Remember that the founding documents were written by men, okay? They're, they're just men. So all of the things that affect a man are going to affect the founding fathers. So we have to also understand that there have been outside influences on their thinking. You know, they're individuals, individual character and nature, individual um, points of interest. Like Hamilton and uh, Madison were friends, but they had some serious differences in how they saw the way the Constitution should be put together. And then what we have to do is we have to look and see, and the founding documents have been preserved. We have original copies, so we can trust that we do have the original copies. Um, when you go to start to study them, study them, at least if, you, if you've never done it before, study them anew. Um, don't come at the founding documents with an agenda. Um, don't come at it with what you think you know from your teachers or your history books. Come at them and let the founding fathers talk to you for themselves for a change. L look into what they had to say about the, you know, the Federalists, Anti-Federalists, the notes on the convention, the notes on the on the uh, Bill of Rights. Let let the founding fathers talk. Don't try to force your opinions into the founding documents. Um, don't try to shape them. You, you want your studies to be an inqu inquiry into what did the original documents, what did the founders really mean? And that's what you got to focus your understanding on. That's got to be your goal. And you need to expect to discover that you're, you've misunderstood things. You should just assume that's going to happen. And as you study, you're going to find out, oh, I had that wrong. Be prepared to change your view accordingly. You got to be teachable, which means you've got to be humble. And you have to let the founders speak for themselves. And you have to, if you're studying from other men, listen, you know, other men and women and their opinions, listen respectfully, take their position, you know, their considerations into account, but test it against what the founders themselves said. 
hold to what is good and discard what isn't. Um, in this case here, stay constantly focused, refocus yourself. I'm trying to understand the founding fathers. I'm trying to understand the founding fathers, I'm trying to understand what this document was meant to say, what these documents were trying to achieve. Make sure you stay on point. Okay. Um, use right reasoning. Don't be afraid to bring your lot. In, in fact, logic and, and critical thinking are going to be important in this. Um, bring that in. Learn your logical fallacies uh, so that when you're reading what other people have said the founders meant, you'll be able to catch their their mistakes and their thinking and logic in, in helping you with your study. Um, try not to assume anything. Um, you're going to find that the founding fathers have addressed almost everything at its foundational basics, you know, at ice cream level, not flavors ice cream levels you're going to find that if you dig for it but try not to assume anything don't just guess that you've already got this handled um that's part of what it means to let the let the founders speak for themselves don't take anything away from what the founders tell you either if you don't like what they're telling you you have to accept it but oh you couldn't possibly have foreseen the use of nuclear weapons with the second amendment don't take that away from them don't take that away from them um, if something else has come up that they didn't foresee, that's a reason to understand what were they trying to do with the Second Amendment and why, how do we properly amend it through the process they gave us to account for nuclear weapons. And remember, the Founding Fathers said things like, where did we find the angels to govern us that aren't going to ever commit any crimes? So why do you think that it's safer to put nuclear weapons in the hands of the government rather than private citizens? Huh? That's a serious question. That's not rhetorical. Why do you trust the government, given its long history of lawlessness and murder and genocide in this country? Why would you trust them with nukes and not a, a private citizen? I, I don't understand that. But, and well, the government puts in safeguards. I found a story just today that says maybe they don't. Maybe they don't. So be careful with that, folks. Just just say, okay? Um, so don't take away from what the Founding Fathers said either. Keep it in consideration. And don't, understand, don't assume you understand everything you read, especially you're reading from a time 250 plus years ago. A whole different way of thinking. They're more sophisticated. You're, if you read them, you're going to find out for the most part they're more sophisticated in their thinking than we are today. We like to think we're advanced, not compared to those men we're not. Um, so like I said, don't assume you've understood everything. Um, keep looking. Don't think you've got everything covered. Always be open, looking for more information, check everything. This is a constant ongoing process. Whatever you're studying, constantly check it and recheck it and make sure that your understanding is still solid, still sound. Um, research is a never ending process. Um, you may stop at points, but sometime in the future you may pick it back up again so you you're never going to know everything there is to know about something ever no matter what it is even if you're the one that invents it because you're always going to be thinking on it so remember it's never ending so always check yourself go over it again do your own homework and and then check your own study work so why do we want to study okay this one here is going to be a little bit reading is not studying if all I do is read the Constitution, that's not studying it. Reading is is uh, is different from trying to understand. 
uh, listening to somebody teach a class like you're doing right now. I can tell you how to do it. And it might give you some idea what you need to do, but until you do it, okay, it's not the same thing. Listening to me tell you how to study is not the same thing as studying for yourself. Just like reading this, the, the, the founding documents is not the same thing as studying them, finding out why they're written the way they are. Listening to somebody else teach a lesson on why they're written the way, way they are is not going to be the same thing as reading what the founder said. Memorization is not study. Studying is a discipline. It's a discipline that must be learned and mastered. And then you have to practice it from time to time to maintain it. But it's also one of the beautiful things. If you learn how to study something, the better you get at this, the quicker you'll get too in certain ways. Studying is a verb. It's an action. It's something you do. You don't just sit there and absorb it. You actually have to do it. Okay. So why? Why would we want to do it? You do it so that you can defend your beliefs. So you can understand what you believe. Why? And then defend it. In the case of the founding documents, we would want to study them to understand what the founding fathers were trying to do and how they tried to do it. Why did they write the documents the way they did? Like with the Declaration of Independence. Well, that's not a Christian document. Well, you'll have to read Sir William Blackstone. I didn't put that in there for you. But that the Declaration of Independence is definitely written in Christian language. It's just we don't recognize it anymore because we're 250 years removed from protestant reformation and the enlightenment the founding fathers weren't they were in the middle of it so they understood the the catchphrases and the language and the terms of their times this is one of the things we're going to study for what how did they use the language so i want to study to understand what it was they were trying to do and why and how how are they thinking and then i study in order to defend my own beliefs if i disagree with the founders i need to be able to explain why if I agree with them, I want to be able to defend what they were trying to do. That's one of the biggest reasons to study for our own edification and comprehension and our, for our own uh, welfare, okay? It's not to prove or disprove a point or to win an argument. That, that's not how why we should be studying. Study to learn, to understand the world in which we are in, uh, and then to apply it. How can you live the Constitution if you don't understand what it is teaching you? Uh, how is it supposed to be applied? How's it supposed to work? If you don't learn these things, you can't first amendment separation, church and state, not in there, not there. So how can you live the first amendment appropriately? If you don't understand why it's there, second amendment, we're all, I'm scared of guns. Well, that's got nothing to do with the second amendment. Too many people are dying from guns. People die from all sorts of things all the time. You don't outlaw baseball bats and hammers, even though they kill more people every year than guns do. What? Yes, they do. No, what, what that is, is fear. Okay, you're letting fear override a natural right of self-defense. This is what the founding fathers would try to get you to understand. It's one of the reasons we study, so that we can apply it in our lives. Freedom, liberty, true freedom and liberty on the individual level is dangerous. Civilization is to make it less so. The only way you're going to live totally without any fear whatsoever is as a slave. And then you're going to have the fear that your master might do something to you that you have no recourse against. So you're never going to be without fear. Part of what the founders wanted us to understand, part of why we study, so that we learn how to live appropriately in their ideology or 
why we don't like it and how to how to react against it if that's where you want to go um we study to better understand like i said everything that the founders were doing and why they were doing it next section here how do you study first things first be a slave to the text the text is boss not you let the text drive your understanding let the text speak for itself that is always any written document that's how that works look up references in this case you know like scripture says look up cross references in your study bible in the notes and everything but in this case you have to look up i'm studying the first amendment find everything i can about the first amendment find the federalist papers and the anti-federalists where they're discussing that go to the notes on the bill of rights and read that study what joseph story says about the first amendment see if you could find anything from the founding fathers in their own pen about the first amendment study that Look up every reference you can get your hands on from the original men that did it and study that. Um, this is just, most of this is meant for the scriptures themselves, but you can look up uh, certain things that are going on, certain letters and passages. Pay attention to the details in the text too, especially with the founding fathers. The founding fathers are in many ways a lot like the scriptures. They don't waste language. They wrestled for days sometimes exactly like the First Amendment took days to get hammered out. And they chose every word. If you go read the notes on that, every word, even the A, the, and every word of the First Amendment was haggled out. Every one of them. They chose the language specifically to convey the meaning that they intended it to mean. The problem is we're reading it with 20 first century eyes nowadays and not 18th century eyes so we get it wrong and we're reading it with secular humanist uh, connotations in our mind and not uh, individual rights and liberty in our mind so pay attention to the details pay attention to the language pay attention to the structure the way the the sentence is written uh, don't dismiss scholarly input when you're studying first natural you know i mean uh, original sources as much as possible this is where like John Locke would come in, right? Yes. This is where John Locke and Joseph story would come in. Okay. Cause they're going to explain their concepts to you. They are the scholars. The founding fathers are adopting their ideas. Now go to the scholars that explain to you what the ideas meant and how they applied and why the founding fathers adopted them. So yes, that's what's going on here. Don't dismiss it. They're not original source, but they're scholars for a reason. They've spent a great deal of time studying this. So whereas, this is what I'm talking about, whereas you and I may not have time to read all of the notes on the convention and the notes on, that we may not be able to read all the Federalist and Anti-Federalist paper, guess what you can do? Go read Joseph's stories. You know, I, I don't have time for all of that on the First Amendment, Joe. Read Joseph's stories commentary on the First Amendment. It's short, it's concise, and he has read all of that stuff. And he spoke to the authors face to face while they were breathing. So he's not the ultimate source on this when you have original documentation. But if you're tight on time, Joseph Story would be a scholar in this area. You could read him. Don't put 100% trust in what he's saying, but you can put a great deal of trust in it for the reasons I've stated, who he is and what he did and the purpose he served and who and what he knew. So like I said, don't dismiss it, but don't take it as the gospel either. Not, not unless it's one of the original sources. Use more than one study method. Um, 
and by that, and, and here in scripture, it's different ways, but read the books, read what, read what historians have to say, read court rulings from the time, uh, read what different founding fathers had to say about stuff. You know, read as much as you can in this case, because, you know, that's one of, that's all we have available to us is reading in this, in this point for the founding documents, but use as many methods as you can. If you can find a good documentary or documentary video, listen to that. Okay. Watch that. Listen to audio. If you're a different type of read, you know, you, you have trouble reading, be very selective, uh, use audio books, people reading the books that you need to read, find a different study methods for yourself, help you, um, multiple ways of doing things. Um, follow those historians and, you know, and experts that have proven to be, um, trustworthy over the years. Your enemy here in this case, if you're wanting to understand the founding documents as they were intended, progressives will be very good to help you with this. If a progressive accuses somebody of being an originalist, go follow the originalist because that's what progressives are upset with. That's like saying, well, you're a fundamental Bible believer. Well, if you want to understand the scriptures, follow the fundamental Bible believer before you find the new age reformist because the fundamentalist is trying to stay true to the original text stay true to a fun, you know, a constitutional originalist. So that's going to be a help seek, uh, solid conclusions before chasing new questions. So as you're studying, okay, what did they mean in the first amendment by this clause and by that clause, get each clause hammered down before you move on that type of thing. Um, yeah, and then, yeah, don't need that one. Um, don't need that. Oh yeah. Never too late to start studying folks, no matter how old you are. Um, Use whatever time you can find, even if it's only five minutes here, five minutes there. If you're reading through, like for me, um, I've gotten good at just marking the paragraph where I had to leave off. Now, some people can't do that. If you're one of these ones that has a hard time remembering what you were reading when, you know, if you're studying the Federalist Papers and you can't just quit in the middle of an essay, um, you know, okay, mark off time to make sure you finish the essay. But for me, I can quit in the middle of the essay, come back, pick it right back up where I was left off before. Um, maybe it'll help if you put it on audio. It's easier to pick up audio sometimes for certain people. Use whatever time you have. Make time. Um, don't just don't just leave this to a whim. If it's an important subject that's worth your time to study, make time for it. Um, and this is some of this stuff is more applicable to scripture study. Um, also don't go along with the herd just because everybody else believes it doesn't make it true. Okay. That that's just straight up fact of life folks, just because the world believes it doesn't make it true. The founding fathers are deists. Uh-huh. Until you read the founding fathers, then you find out there may have been one or two deists, but they were the type of founders that you don't even know their names. The big ones that you do know, not a one of them was a deist. They may have been earlier in life. But not by the time that this country was founded, they weren't not anymore. Okay, so the the effects of the of the Enlightenment were not the same in this country as they were in Europe. Again, you got to know the spirit, the zeitgeist of the time, the spirit of the times. Um, also, I went over this. Um, you got to learn the language that they're using. There are a lot of words that you're going to read in the founding fathers that you don't know. I promise you, there are words in there that you're not going to recognize guaranteed 100% because I know people with huge vocabularies that are always looking things up that the founders used. And many of the words you do recognize had different meanings back then. Yes. So that's that dictionary. Understand the way they're using their language. 
and and look up the meaning of the words, even if you think you know what it means. Okay, be careful with the context because one of the things that happens with the founding fathers, like the Second Amendment, militia. Militia today means something that it does back then. I can read the Second Amendment today and it makes sense to me. I don't, I don't think I have to research it. I go back and read it in their time and I didn't change a single thing other than the definition of militia and it changes the meaning of the entire amendment. So you got to be careful. Sometimes look up keywords, even if you think you're sure you know what they mean. Okay. Um, when you're doing the studying of the founding fathers too, I know this is meant for the Bible, but um, you, you can pretty much read everything you need to read on the founders in a chronological order. The books I gave you would put you there. Um, and then this is going to be just knowing your, that's about knowing your study Bible. This is pertinent to the Bible itself, but this is a case of know your reference material, know what's available to you. Um, and then this is going to go over uh, interpretations um, of like interpretations of the founding fathers. Let me just take a moment here. I'll, I'll bump this down to make a smaller on the screen. When you run into the founding fathers in their language, this is going to be the biggest hang up. Okay, we're reading in this case, how do I study the founding documents? This is going to be one of the biggest hangups you're going to have. They First of all, they're going to have what you think are misspellings. No, they're writing before a lot of words had become standardized spelling. They're at a period of time where there's a flux between modern English and old English. So there's a lot of different ways of spelling something. And trust me, these men are geniuses, well-educated. They know what they're doing. Okay. They're not just haphazard, uneducated individual writing. They're writing according to the accepted way of writing at their time. So when you and I read it, we'll think, oh God, they're stupid. They can't even spell. No, 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 no. You got to keep in mind where you're at in time. You're reading something that was written 250 plus years ago. And you're going to have to understand that the language that they're going to use is very different, not just the vocabulary, the way they structure their sentences. If you've been on this show any length of time, Charlie, you remember that one paragraph we read by Thomas Jefferson that was all one sentence? Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> what yeah. was it, like nine or ten lines? Oh, yeah, it was huge. And it made it sense, was, didn't it? Yeah. And it was a it was single. Grammatically correct. Yes, it was. Dude, if you handed that into a teacher today, she'd probably send you back to redo it. And you know something I did one time, I put it into Word document and Word wanted to break it up. Where every, everywhere where Jefferson had put a semicolon, Word wanted me to make a new sentence. Because it, it's not a case of we're smarter today. It's a case of we're not as complex in our thinking as they were. So you got to keep this, their language is going to be your number one stumbling block in understanding them. And the number two stumbling block is going to be these men are far better educated than we were. Most of them had college degrees at the age that you and I graduate high school. Most of them were through with university and in university, they were learning Greek and Hebrew and French and Latin, and they were learning history and they were studying the Greek philosophers and they, they were learning things that we don't study anymore. There, there was no sandbox classes and basket weaving classes in their world. They studied that the, the, there wouldn't be social sciences. See, that's a John Dewey thing where he lumped five or six different courses into one class to dumb you down. Like civics, they wouldn't teach civics in their day. There would be federal government. There'd be a class on the Constitution, a class on the Declaration. They would do specifics, and they would dig deep. 
So these men are very well educated. That's going to be a problem for us too, because they're speaking at a higher level than most of us are accustomed to reading or listening to or learning. So pay attention to that, please, when you're studying them. Um, understand that their worldview is going to drive the context of what they're writing and their language and, and their teaching and their and all of that is going to drive how you understand their, what they're telling you. Um, this is all meant mostly for scripture. Like I said, we're going to have to use this as a, as a guide. I'm looking for my next subsection. Um, nope, that's not where I'm going to study tools. Um, in this case, this is another case where I can bump this down real quick. What type of study tools are available to you? Well, I've already shown you some books. Those are available to you. I've, I've shown you, um, the Webster's Dictionary, that's going to be important to you. Um, if you go to the archives I've given you, there's a lot of cross-references to different articles that will help you understand what's going on with the Declaration of the Constitution. Look for Joseph Story's notes. Um, look for different rulings that deal with certain things. Look at the history, um, the Sedition Act under John Adams. Holy cow. Dig into that history. And like I said, if you want to know what sedition is in the founding fathers, mind this is this is very pertinent to today john adams wanted anybody who questioned the president to be guilty of sedition well that's going on right now in the progressive mindset if you question joe biden and whether or not the election was actually valid you're guilty of sedition in adams's adams lost that fight constitutionally when it was all said and done adams lost that fight so there's a piece of history you might want to go back and read because we're repeating it right now. Only this time, Adams' side so far is winning. And that's why one of the reasons that that article telling you not to do your own research is being written is because they're losing the narrative and they don't want that. Why are they losing the narrative? Because the truth is creeping out. And people are more and more starting to evaluate it for themselves. Well, this is going to destroy our democracy. Well, I thought democracy was about you doing your own homework, making your own decision, and voting accordingly. That's the definition, right? Apparently not. Democracy is doing what you were told to do in their mindset. So that's what this is all about, is the more you do your own homework, the more you're going to come up with conclusions that go against the accepted or trustworthy narrative, which is a way of saying the government storyline. And that makes you a conspiracy theorist because you're going against what we're telling, telling you to believe. So if you come to the conclusion that if they call you a conspiracy theorist, that means truth believer, you got you, you can make a solid argument for that. Sound, valid, rational, and strong that if they call you a conspiracy theorist, it probably means you're on to something. Keep going, boys and girls. Doesn't always. There are some kook jobs out there. I got that. A lot of people think I'm one of them. But your study tools for the founding documents, look them up. Another very good reference that they'll tell you not to listen to is uh, David Barton. And he has a book out called Original Intent. And it is almost nothing but a collection of the founders of quotes from the founding fathers. And he uses a lot of court rulings. There's another reference. Is this a Christian nation? Well, John Adams said it wouldn't. Well, if you look into it, there are 11 copies of the Treaty of Tripoli. Only one of them 
does Madison say we are not a, a Christian nation? That's the copy that went to the Emir, to the Barbary pirate uh, chief. The copy we have in our records doesn't say that. So if we go back into the times and we understand who he's writing to and making the treaty with and everything, and we see that Adams was an appeaser who would happy to pay the the ransom to get our people back up to the point of 80% of the federal budget, it's more than likely he put that clause in there just to get the, the Barbary pirates to agree to the treaty. Got what he wanted. But it isn't in everything else. Furthermore, if I go to the congressional hearings that go all the way up through the 1860s, Congress and the court re- House and Senate and the courts repeatedly determined that this is a Christian nation inherent in its thinking. Not Christian in the sense that we're a theocracy, but Christian in the sense that our people are primarily Christian believers and that we set our government up to operate according to Christian principles. So, and they even define what they mean by it. So today people say, we're not a Christian, we're not a theocracy. Well, there's a, there's a fallacy of equivocation. You're redefining what the founders meant by calling us a Christian nation. You're redefining what most people today mean by Christian nation. Well, if you said that today, I'd agree with you. We're not, not anymore, which is primarily the part of our problem. But this is all coming from doing your own studies. You're going to be amazed at the little pieces of, oh, wow, that you stumble across when you, the deeper and deeper into the rabbit hole you get. Use your references. Okay. Now I over here on, this is all biblically based and there's a lot more for, for your Bible, um, than there is for what we're studying here. And that's, that, that's going to be the end of this, this outline here. Um, but when you're, when you're going to do your studies broad is good. I know that, that that's part of what we were doing. You, you gather your material and learn as much as you can now start narrowing down. Let's say I just want to know more about the First Amendment. Well, I've gathered all of that background information, understood the Declaration, the Constitution, what they're going through and everything else, and why would they want the First Amendment? Why was it placed above the Second? Well, the right... Y'all know that the First Amendment was basically primarily about freedom of conscience? What? No, 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 Joe. Okay. The right of the people to uh, redress government. I want to be, I, I need to be secure in my conscience to be able to speak my mind. So the freedom of the press. And by the way, that doesn't say freedom of journalism. It says freedom of the press. And it meant I can print what I want. We've expanded that to mean a whole lot. Like I can burn a flag. The founding fathers would not have, no, that's not press. We've said, well, there's freedom of expression in there. Verbal, but certain things the founding fathers would tell you that, hey man, that's fighting words. So if you burning the flag gets you punched in the nose, founding fathers would say that that's not protected by the First Amendment because you did an action that could rationally, reasonably be expected to elicit a violent response by those who hold that sacred. Remember, the founding fathers said that blasphemy was against the common law and they put you in jail for it. So you you weren't free to speak out against the, the uh, God of the Bible. There were limits on what you were allowed to say. What they were protecting was political speech, the right to speak out against what the government was doing. Okay. And even John Adams, who argued for that, eventually is going to get to the point where he wants to put you in jail for doing that. As soon as he made president, he's, he is an epitome of what he was talking about earlier in his life. We have no angels. Once, once you're put in government, absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. That's what happened. 
So when we look at the First Amendment, the right to redress and the right to petition, the right to assemble, this is all peaceful. These are, in some cases, they're actions, but they're not violent actions. They're actions you can do all by yourself without affecting anybody else or any property. That's another thing. Nothing in the First Amendment deals with property other than printing a pamphlet. The right to speak your mind. When you go to the Bill of Rights notes on the Bill of it was all about conscience, especially the rights of, of uh, religion. But it was conscience not to be forced to believe one way or the other. It wasn't a right to be a non-believer. When you go read what the Founding Fathers wrote, you're going to find out that non-believers were not allowed to hold public office. Nowhere in the colonies. Because you were thought to, to be immoral. You have no moral compass. The Founding Fathers also said that they would rather not have a Muslim in office, but they said, better a Muslim before an atheist. Yes, that's in your founding documents. Because they said at least a Muslim's going to have a moral compass, and an atheist won't. They called the atheist an infidel. That was the word they used, a non-believer. So all of this, as you're doing your studies, you're going to run into these things, and you're going to get to know these men. And in some cases, you're going to get to like them better than you did before. And in some cases, you're going to learn to dislike them more than you used to. When I was younger, I loved Thomas Jefferson. The more and more I've read Thomas Jefferson, the more and more I've backed away from him and sided with Patrick Henry. The more Patrick Henry you read, if you're not a Bible believer, he's going to push you away from him. If you're a Bible believer, you're going to be like, oh, I love me some Patrick. Okay, but the more you read these men, the more you get to understand what they're doing and why they were doing it. These principles apply to just about anything you want to study. And you, you don't believe everything you find and read, especially these days. The internet is not going to be your friend. One of the tools you have is Google. If you want to do serious research, do not use Google or Bing. I don't even really, Firefox is decent. Mozilla you also have Brave, and you have Freespoke, and you have a couple of other search engines. They took away the one that used to be absolutely brilliant. It's it's gone. It was all of the web. That one, and then they had Net uh, Netcrawler. Those two were beautiful um, search engines. Charlie, do you know of any search engines today that are fairly neutral that people can use? They're they're not as politically tainted as the uh, the mainstream. Well, one of the popular ones is DuckDuckGo. Yeah, I use DuckDuckGo yeah. as, as well. But yeah, you, you mentioned most of the ones that I'm familiar with. Yeah, DuckDuckGo is my primary one. It, okay, so you do a search for a subject, and you come up with all these returns. Go through at least the first five pages. Uh, yes, you've got to go through at least the first five pages if you're doing re serious. You don't have to read every link on them, but at least pay attention to the titles and what it says and the source and the links and everything. And every now and then pull one out if it catches your attention and at least skim through it. Because what you're going to find out is a lot of times the one you're wanting is on the second or third page, at least on DuckDuckGo it is. Because your, your number one return is usually paid to be there. Remember just the other day, yeah, yesterday I think it was, I, I rode to concord.com. If I go to DuckDuckGo, my page is, my blog page is number one, not on Google. And I get all these people are telling me, well, you're Tiger Model Designs, but you're, you're not coming up on the top pages. Yeah, I own the, the my company. I, I own the domain. But if I go to Google, because I haven't paid them, my, my vendors come up before me carrying my product because they've paid to be there or they've paid somebody to sort of lift their ratings. 
this is all about the money, money, money. But that's not what a search engine that's you know supposed to be doing. But this is really going to happen when you're researching something that's a little on the sensitive side. You're going to be doing research on um, January 6th. The first, if you go to Google, you're going to find everything that you're going to find for pages and pages and pages and pages. You're just going to scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll, and it's all going to support the government narrative. You're not going to find anything that's going to tell you what's really going on. Now, if I hop over to uh, DuckDuckGo, one of the first things that comes up is um, the Daily, uh, I mean, not Daily Wire, Epoch Times video. It'll be on one of the first two pages. And they've got a very good documentary on what happened in January 6th. If the whole country was forced to sit down and watch that, the bulk of the Democratic Party would probably be in jail. And it's not because they spun anything. It's because they just released the videos that are available from the day. What really happened and who did it? Information that's been kept from you and I. Now, remember the article that we started all this with. The study says, you know, if you're studying January 6th, you're going to start believing in conspiracy theories like the government planned the insurrection. Yeah, that's because more and more people are starting to see the videos of the government inciting the insurrection. They're available. They're not doctored. They're real. You'll know when you look at them, you can tell that this is just something that some bystander was videoing. It it's doesn't have the polish of a, of a deep fake. It's raw. It's ugly. It looks like the Blair Witch Project project type of filming and stuff. It's real. You see, this is one of the things that they haven't figured out yet. Yet. They'll get there. But when they do fake videos, a lot of times they make it too clean because they want you to see it. They don't want you put off by the fact that the camera's moving around and looking down at the ground. Other times, like if it's a Bigfoot video, you know how the you know how you spot a fake Bigfoot hoax? The video never focuses on what it is it's supposed to be looking. Trust me, folks, if you were out in the woods and you ran across Bigfoot and there he is for real for you, and oh my God, that's all your camera's going to be focused on. Not everything in the world around you. So it depends on what it is you're researching. There are certain cues, there are certain tells that give you the idea that you might, might, might not want to trust the video. January 6th, a lot of this information shows you in the bottom of the camera feeds that it's capital feed, it's internal security feed. So, and then other things that are, we're being told, we're finally being told that all of the notes from the interviews after, after January 6th have all been disappeared. They've all disappeared. That doesn't, that, that's evidence. Anytime evidence disappears from custody, it hasn't been misplaced. It was made to disappear. It's like if you've got a court case and the prosecutor comes up and said, okay, bring out the DNA of, of this, you know, this uh, mafia dude. We, we've, we've got the mafia, Don, the head of the mafia. Bring out the DNA that will finally let us put him, put him in jail. And, the, oh, well, the DNA is missing from the evidence locker. What do we automatically think? Oh, well, it's just misplaced. Go search for You know darn well what happened to it. He's the head of the mafia. He paid off a cop to make the make it go away. Well, that's what's happened here with all this evidence in the January 6th case. It's disappeared while in custody because nobody wants you to see it. It's probably not gone. It just probably got rearranged. Just like we were told by the, the guy who used to be inside the security, all the, the files for Epstein are in the FBI custody. Well, the judge just released him. He forced the FBI to release him, but he didn't release everything. Remember, there's still a several dozen names that they haven't told us who they are yet.
They're not going to. And did anybody ever tell us how many names are actually on that list? No. When you do research, be skeptical. Case in point, Joe, you're a conspiracy theorist. You believe everything you read. Okay, there's aliens in Miami. So I was on TikTok. Joe, you're never going to find any truth on TikTok. Want to bet? So I keep digging. And I find all these little videos of the aliens. And they're kind of shaky. And I find these people, I was there. I saw the alien. You people got to believe. And this one girl caught me. She was so convincing. So I, I click on her profile. Oh, my God. It's her Facebook profile. Okay. Where do you live? And I start looking at her information. She lives in the Northwest, up in the Seattle, Washington area. What the heck was she doing in Miami? Okay, well, maybe she was visiting, right? So I start scrolling down her feed. And she's posting things that were happening up there on the day that she's supposed to be in Miami. No. She's one of these ones that got caught up in the, she believes it because she's predisposed. She wants to believe it. So she gets caught up in the hype. And for whatever reason, she she's a snowflake. She's convinced herself she saw it or whatever. She's very convincing. So she's putting out this video that she saw the alien. She couldn't have. She wasn't even there. Her own Facebook page tells me that she wasn't there. So I got a bunch of that type going on in the world. I got these videos of the aliens. And if you notice, if you looked at any of them, none of them are clear. Folks, I guarantee you that if I see, we froze again on my end. Yeah, she had to have been there because we froze. Yes. If I see a shape-shifting alien using interdimensional transport and eating human beings, and I'm in the area with my cell phone, you guys are going to get the most clear picture you've ever seen in your life. Because I ain't moving. Even if I die in the process, I'm going to get you that video, Jack. These people don't ever do that. Never clear. It's always from a distance. It's always shape. Okay. I keep looking around on, on TikTok, and then I find something else. I find a, a video of a bunch of people running in the mall, and it's purported to have been from that night, and you hear them yelling, he's got a gun, he's got a gun, he's got a gun, and people are all running in the one direction, talking about he's got a gun. Okay, nailed that. I found another video. There's two groups of cars in a line, and they're shooting back and forth at each other, and in the background, I see all the cop lights. And I can see part of that, that Miami, I see part of what you saw on the news and I recognize it. And I recognize the building and there's rows of cop lights. They're shooting at each other. I see the guns and the pop guns and everything. And I hear the bullets hitting the cars. They're actually shooting at each other. It's gang war. And I looked around, I found three or four other videos like that. Well, why would there be 300 cops there? It, it, it was the alien. No, you had a gang war going on in that area. There was a exchange of gunfire from two different rival gangs you better send all the police you got and where i'm at right now i'm pretty sure that's exactly what happened so why is there aliens out there okay now here's where the conspiracy theory enters in because they're trying to predictively program you to get ready for when they tell you the aliens have come and told them what to do and now we all have to lock down because we're going to destroy the planet. And if we keep going, the aliens are going to get rid of us to save the planet and blah, 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 blah. Whatever story they're going to sell us, it's going to be straight out of the X-Files. In the whole world, yes, there we go. Werner von Braun, anybody. It'll be a lie. Unless, of course, they're watchers that have been let out of the pit. Now, if you know, you know. If you don't know what I just said, we're not going to discuss that today. But if you know... You're going to go, aha, yeah, that works. 
Because if I came back as a watcher that has just been let out of the pit and I looked around at this population they're dealing with today, I'm not going to tell you I'm a God that wouldn't work, but I will tell you I'm an alien from an interdimensional you know, planet or whatever. You'd buy that hook, line and sinker. It works, especially since they can present themselves that way and they can do things like popping in and out of existence to our appearance, walking through walls. And the next thing you know, mankind is going to be worshiping a devil. Where's that been predicted before, Charlie? Uh, no, some some old dusty book, I think. A book of mythology, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow, learning to study for yourself is one of the most important tools you can put in your personal quiver. This has just been an overlay. You can, if you go look up how to study for yourself, you're going to find all sorts of videos and documents. Be careful with those. Be careful with them. I looked for a slideshow I could give to you in your homework today. I didn't find any of the ones I liked. Be careful with that. If you really want to learn more about how to study for yourself, go to a library and see if you can find an old book from before 2000 that helps you study. A book written before the year 2000. Trust that. You'll find them. They're out there. But you're going to have to go look for it. Joe, I got too much else going on. Do you? Do you really? Or do you have too many things that are more fun to do than this? That's okay. I get it. Trust me. I've been wasting a lot of time with stupid stuff lately that, I mean, for weeks and months now that they're not profitable to me. And I know I've been wasting time because sometimes you just need to protect yourself and you need to hide in a make-believe world for a while. I get it. But I'm also at the point now where every now and then you got to get back to work. And, you know, like for me, I've got to learn to face the monster eyeball to eyeball. And in order to do that, I have to study. Okay, real quick before we leave, just before, just so none of you get the idea that, well, if you saw Bigfoot, you'd get a clear video. And that's why, you know, that's why we know Bigfoot's never been around. Because per your own words, Joe, nobody's ever gotten a clear video. Yes, they have. They've gotten several of them. And everybody just dismisses them. There have been very good. The Patterson Gimlin video has never been debunked. But then there's also a guy up in the up in the north that claims to have very good footage of of their faces. I've got a problem with that video. That's too perfect. Those are too perfect. But there are several other videos of purported ape-like creatures in the in the wild that are very good, difficult to hoax, and appear to be valid. You don't see them that often. And when you do, people just dismiss them as a, as a, ah, it's just fake. Okay. Whatever. But the point here is they do have clear video of it and they have all sorts of evidence. People still just don't want to believe it. And that's cool. I get it. Well, that's conspiracy theory, Joe stuff, Joe. Why are you bringing that in on studying? If I study the existence of, of, a, of a dinosaur and I find his fossils, I know the dinosaur existed, right? Let's go to Jurassic Park. We just watched that. Velociraptor, he hunts in packs. He comes at you sideways. He thinks he's really smart. He became a bird and all this stuff. T-Rex, he's, he, he's going to hunt on visual cues and motion. And how the heck do you know any of that? All you got is a collection of bones. In some cases, you have partially fossilized flesh. In some cases, we know what the skin looked like. We've got that. You've got, but all you've got is bones. 
and you've drawn up a whole bunch of stuff off of bones. Okay, let's do some research. And I start digging into Bigfoot. I have footprints, dozens of them. I have footprints with anatomical deformities that don't match humans, but would match a large primate. The footprints match a large primate because they have a mid-carpal break in the footprint. The, the push on the, the dirt in the print, it's everything I would expect. So whoever's making these fake footprints have has college-level degree on more the body uh, mechanics of large primates. Well, that's, that's okay, put that aside. I have handprints. I have footprints, not just the footprints, but I have dermal-ridged handprints and fingerprints. I have knuckle prints. I have the impression of a of the hind end of the body in the mud that was cast that you can see the elbow, the back quarter, and part of the left thigh and part of the right ankle. They cast this where it had laid down in the mud to eat the, the bait they put out. I have DNA of an unknown primate. I have hair strands of an unknown primate. I have recordings that are not human and don't belong to any known animal in the United States that do have similar features of primates. I have video of a large primate. I have numerous eyewitnesses that go back hundreds of years. I'm missing a body and or a skeleton. Oh, wait a minute. You don't know that you're missing the skeleton. What? You don't know that you're missing the skeleton. We've found skeletal remains of large primates in, in the world before, and we say, well, that's Gigantopithecus. Well, Gigantopithecus perfectly fits Bigfoot. So you don't know for sure you don't have a skeleton. Okay, but you say you don't. When I do the research into what we actually have, you have more evidence pointing toward the existence of Bigfoot than you do toward any of the pictures of T-Rex or a Velociraptor. Now, I'm not saying you have to believe in Bigfoot. Don't 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 go get get me wrong. I'm saying when you do the research, you find out that the people who do believe in it don't believe without reason. But you have to do research to find this. If you just listen to the surface, you know, you're watching In Search of a Monster Quest. That's not research, folks. That's entertainment. When you do the real research, you're going to find out there are a lot of real, reputable credible scientists that think that there is still something out there we haven't found yet. Now, it may not be what we think it is, but don't forget, the large gorillas, they weren't known until last century. Natives in Africa spoke about them all the time. Nobody believed in them. That's where your King Kong comes from. Oh, it's just a myth, giant gorillas. <laughs> That's where your King Kong stories come from. And then guess what? They found them. You got these peoples out there that aren't, you know, these pygmy peoples in the in the Amazon rainforest that they were talked about all the time. Nobody believed them. They started cutting back the Amazon rainforest. They found those pygmy people and they leave them the F alone because those people tend to kill you. They're dangerous, but they found them. They know they're there now. We froze again. So do some research on some of this stuff and do it with a skeptical eye. Okay. Um, the purpose being so that you're not easily convinced on purpose. Uh, I don't fall for every conspiracy theory I run into. I fall for the ones that I can back up with, with some sort of research. Were you here for our story on the Oklahoma city bombing? Were you here for the TWA flight 800? 
there's good reason to believe that the Oklahoma City bombing is not what we were told. Flight 800 didn't blow up because of a short in the fuel tank. That one we know for sure. This forensic evidence says it didn't. So if they lie to us in the flat out open like that, why do we believe anything that the approved media tells us? And if we don't believe the approved media, how are you going to find out what you could or should believe unless you do your own work? And you can't do your own work just willy-nilly because then they write, you will fall for something that you shouldn't believe in. So yeah, this is not a subject that's irrelevant. It's important. Don't ignore it for your own good. That's all I'm saying. Anything you want to add, Charlie? No, I think it was pretty good. <laughs> Questions, comments on the board? And we even ended with Bigfoot, so that's, it's good. <laughs> All right, Worship Wednesdays tomorrow. we got something a little special for you. Now that you're out of Mystery Bible on, what next? Well, Charlie and I will discuss that with you tomorrow. Thursday, conspiracy theory dealing with the Chinese in World War III. Chinese Russians in World War III. Oh, boy. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Wait, wait. Tigers and bears. Oh, my. We don't have any lines. Oh, wait a minute. Oh. Iran. Yeah. Iran, China, and Russia. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Okay. <laughs> Thursday will be lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Friday, we're going to get back to logic. Logic fallacies, founding fathers, et cetera, et cetera. We love each and every one of you. We thank you for being here. We hope that something useful was in today's show for you. If you like what we're doing, please give us the thumbs up buttons. That talks to Charlie and Natasha. So thanks for being there, guys. If you like the show, share it with whoever. Ask them to give the show a little bit more than just a casual, you know, it builds on itself. It kind of has to grow on you like fungus. Then tell them that the show host is the fungus. I'll, I'll grow on you if you give me a chime. You'll either like me or like to hate me, whichever one. But either one works as long as you're here to get the information we're trying to share with you. And if you have any questions or comments, please email. As soon as my personal email is, uh, internet is back up and running, I will get to those emails. I meant to answer them last night. No internet, couldn't do it. So anyway, for the rest of y'all, I mean, we love you. Y'all stay, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and we'll see you tomorrow.